welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Haunted Houses. Hold on a sec. I heard a noise behind that door. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I forgot what I wrote. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Today, I know that the silence is perfect. Today's show is brought to you by Relaxicab. Get a massage on the go with Relaxicab. Is that from uh, from Futurama too? No, that one is not. Oh, I know it sounds like it should be. Welcome to the Pestle. I am Wes, and I'm Todd, and this is the show where we like to analyze, break down, pick apart, tease, discover everything there is to know about any given movie. Um, yeah, anything pretty much. Pretty Old, much. new. I mean, I think we gravitate more towards the new stuff that's coming out just because uh, we want excuses to go to the theater. Yeah, that's you always. Know? Yeah. Uh, but anytime, you know, like if they if they put out 2001 and 70 millimeter, we'll definitely go see that or yes. Interstellar so you can watch it again. Oh, God, please. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it seven times in theater. Only in theater. Only in theater. I mean, that's the only way really to watch that movie. Yeah. Although I have seen it about 25 times. <laughs> And it's glorious every single time. So you're missing out, but whatever. Yeah. All good. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, so today, guys, we are covering A Star is Born. So if you haven't seen this movie, there are spoilers all over the place in this film. Uh, Even if you've seen the original or the follow-up to the original or the follow-up to the follow-up of the original. The thing is like the fourth time they've remade this or third time they've remade this. Yeah. 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 So if you haven't seen it, please pause the episode, go watch it and then come back. uh, Cause we'll be talking about all the, all the goodies, all the things. Yeah. We'll talk about a lot of things, uh, cinematography, obviously music. You can't really discuss this movie. I think without talking about the music performances and story and other such stuff and things and stuff and, and things and things. Yeah. Uh, so a quick synopsis of the film. Let's just dive right in. <laughs> a musician that helps a young singer find fame, even as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. A little bit of spoiler there. Uh, directed by Bradley Cooper. Screenplay by Eric Roth, Bradley Cooper, and Will Fetters. Starring Lady Gaga as Allie, Bradley Cooper as Jack, Sam Elliott as Bobby, and Andrew Dice Clay as Lorenzo. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Well, because like almost every single person that I've come in contact with in the music industry has told me that my nose is too big and that I won't make it. Your nose is beautiful. Are you showing me your nose right now? Yeah. You don't have to show it to you. I've been looking at it all night. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm going to be thinking not. about your nose for a very you're long time. You're full of time. shit. I'm not full of shit. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, you're full of Can shit. Can I touch your nose? Oh, my gosh. Let me just touch it for a second. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm dying. You're very lucky. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. That My nose has not made me lucky. Look, mm-hmm. oh, that's a great, great selection there. Yeah, I accidentally selected that. I thought I was grabbing another one, and then that came on. I was like, "Yep, we're watching that right now." What was the one you were gonna grab? I was gonna grab the other one where they're sitting out front of the store. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I think that that would be. I mean, yeah, the obvious, pick, be the obvious yeah. pick, I think. Yeah. But this, I think, this oh. is more telling. I think so too. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And just watching it, I felt 
completely sucked in again. Uh, because for those who don't know, whenever I'm playing back these clips, I get to watch the video and Todd does not. <laughs> yeah, I'm just listening, but I can I, I can see it in my brain space. God, there's this great shot whenever he reaches over to, to touch her nose and they frame it so beautifully and it cuts to slow-mo suddenly and you're building this kind of ethereal moment and she's framed just on the corner or on the edge of the frame uh, because I think his hand or his arm is blocking a little bit of the frame and so... You just kind of see her eyes and her nose, and it's just hanging out there. And it's mm-hmm. just immediately like, oh, my God, this is like not – it's on the edge of erotic for sure. Yeah. I, it, I think it's so funny, too, that I, I love so much about this scene. One, that they address the the elephant in the room of you have to look a certain way to be successful in entertainment, right? Well, I mean – if Freddie Mercury, you know, <laughs> looked different, he wouldn't be Freddie Mercury. But obviously that guy was not the best looking man. Like he had features that were extreme. Mm-hmm. We'll just say that, say that. But that doesn't matter because people aren't drawn to the way that you look. They're drawn to the way that you sound and not just the way that you sound, but the way that you convey that sound. Right. Mm-hmm. And you look at someone like Lady Gaga or Ali how she's how she's she performs she performs as lady gaga let's be honest like yeah. she is she is lady gaga you you look at her and the way she performs draws people in the way that she owns it that every word out of her mouth draws people in that's the thing that that's important so i love that they address the elephant in the room there but the the moment where he touches her nose and and the song kicks in feels like i'm dying <laughs> like as perfect as the perfect yeah. line because think about you know the the first night you meet someone that you fall in love with and you've already fallen in love with them even if you don't know it mm. but the first time you touch them it, if it's their hand if it's their arm or face whatever this might be the first time he touches her i can't remember if that if if it is, oh no because he pulls off her eyebrow in the in backstage oh right 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 yep. well this is the first time he she lets him yeah. like really I don't know like personal touch and it's just a perfect moment it's you know? electric yeah it really is they captured it well with that with the music yeah especially because I mean to rewind back to that eyebrow scene that was fine but that wasn't her yeah 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 now he's touching her. Mm-hmm. This is her nose and a big insecurity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's makes it far more personal, even though I'll get into the eyebrow scene a little bit later. Oh, good. But that made it so much more personal. It's a really good point that uh, there is something different that's going on here because all the facade that she was under earlier is washed away now. Mm-hmm. And now he is finally getting a chance to, to touch her really in, in one sense for the first time mm-hmm. because yeah, I mean, it just layers into everything you just said. Like this, how you present yourself as a musician has as much to do and with what people are being drawn to with who you are. Yeah. And that's a big authenticity is a big theme that runs throughout the film. And I'll definitely be getting into that later sure. as well. But sure. yeah, that is a. Yeah, he touches her insecurity and she lets him. Yeah. And he praises it. And that's probably the first time in her life that she's got that praise because obviously her father 
even early, it might be earlier or it might be the next day or something at one point says something about her looks and how mm-hmm. she hasn't made it or whatever won't make it because of well, what a great definition of love mm. letting someone touch your insecurity yeah yeah god yeah it's a it's a wonderful scene man i, I remember i remember seeing it and thinking wow that's really amazing so yeah that was the thing was you went to see this with your wife and then mm-hmm. you were like, Hey, we should cover a star is born. Yeah. Which caught me by surprise because you don't like musicals. Right. And much less want to spend another, you know, hour talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> but it made me at my first reaction was like, okay, maybe it's pretty good, but maybe also it's just easier because, Oh, I've already seen it now. And now we can just kind of jump in the studio. And so I wasn't sure which area we would be coming from until, uh, I, I sat down and I don't know if it was that scene, but it was certainly one of those early scenes that I was like, oh, it's because this is about to be a good freaking movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not the convenience factor. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, it could have been the opening scene. Yeah. Like, <sighs> do you know, do you know how they shot some of that stuff? Go at, on. <laughs> at Coachella. Yeah. They, I think it was at least one, if not two stages at Coachella that they, they just put out the thing like we're filming a movie come be in this movie. And so you read the article that I sent you then. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit, but you can expound on it. That's amazing. What kind of blew me away too, is that they weren't pumping her, their music through the speakers and it, because they were afraid of like having the song leaked a year and a half before the freaking movie came out. Uh, which is a very real thing whenever you're talking about Lady Gaga. Yeah. And now if it had just been like Bradley Pitt and some other actress, Jennifer Lawrence. Bradley Pitt. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, that's that's I'm sure plenty of listeners out there would love that. Would would love Bradley Pitt to be <laughs> in a Star is Born version six. But uh, <laughs> Bradley Cooper and like Jennifer Lawrence singing on stage. We never would have heard that music. It might have been. Right put out and nobody would have downloaded it but because it is lady gaga and she is such a megastar uh, which is funny because to me she's not she's you know she could be whoever her real name is yeah uh, and i never know the difference mm-hmm. but it's so they decided we're not going to pump the music through the speakers we're going to get a hundred of her monsters is that what they call them yeah uh, her fans and we're going to put them in the front so that if anybody you know is even thinking about recording these fans, if anybody's not going to do that, it's going to be her real diehard fans. And we can protect our, our our music and for the release. And, yeah, I mean, I read that article, and it was an article that I really read just because they edited this thing in Premiere. And a lot of that was round-tripping with the music. And that was one of the things that even put started our conversation originally was you were like, man, I... I'm pretty sure they recorded a lot of this stuff live. And I was like, actually, randomly, I just read an article about how they literally did. And I'm certain they did it for every song. Was that right? That they yeah. did it for every single track. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Uh, so wait a minute. So they, I, cause I didn't read the whole article. Mm. So they, what was coming out of the speakers then? Nothing? Were they just acting on stage to no music? Yeah, I don't know what they were pump, pumping out in the back. I, I'm sure they put out some things to keep everybody engaged, yeah. maybe. Or maybe just the music, but not the vocal. Oh, uh, maybe that too. Yeah, that would have yeah. made more sense. Yeah. But yeah, regardless, like they were 
trying really hard to to keep everything from being spoiled. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And reading that, I mean, I could only follow bits and pieces because some of the uh, technical details, and they get very technical in that article, uh, was really hard because that was what I was telling you. I was like, yeah, they actually recorded like all that stuff live because Lady Gaga uh, really hates. Yeah, she doesn't do that shit. No, lip syncing, all that crappy yeah. playback. She's like, I want to be connected. And obviously Bradley Cooper, that was the thing that really surprised me reading that article was his ear apparently is like magnificent. Yeah, he's and he's a good singer. And he wrote, he wrote, it might have been with the band, but he wrote uh, that that main Mm -hmm. um, uh, slow track or whatever and the track at the beginning. God. Both of those. And that backing band, I believe, was, uh, who was it a backing band for? What was the artist? I want to say. Was that in the article? Yeah, uh, no, it was a video that I watched, mm-hmm. uh, but it might have been in the article. Um, I think it was Tom Petty. No way. No, it wasn't Tom Petty because it wasn't the Heartbreakers. God dang it. I'll have to look it up again, okay. but it's an actual band. When when he was asked what actors he wanted to play the band, he said, I don't want actors. I want musicians. And so he, and he, so he got this band. And they're actual players, they're actual writers, and, and like, like, to me, for a big artist, I forgot it. Dang it, I need to find send it. Send it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. But this is such a great reason to me, once again, that it's a good decision to let actors become directors. Mm-hmm. They're going to do things on an emotional level that I think is harder to do if, you, if you've never acted or if you've never uh, been on that side of the, uh, the camera before. Because he has all this world of experience, you know, being in front and understanding how to deliver to the to the camera and how to honor the story and then he gets behind it and he starts saying okay now how can i honor those performances and how can i make sure the audience is really connecting with the story and with these actors and i'm sure those conversations with his dp which i think is uh, matthew libatique mm-hmm. uh were all about that we're just all about how can we be authentic in every way possible? Yeah. It just screams. I've never seen the originals, but good God. I can't imagine that they're as good as this. I can't either. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Barbara Streisand is amazing and everything. Yeah. But, oh. So part of, um, if we want to talk about the cinematography a little bit, which I think you know, we've already started a little bit about, one of the first things that stands out to me is the opening scene. So let, let me just explain for just a second. And I, if we've if we've talked about musical movies in, in the past on, on the show, um, I'll just reiterate the reason why they're terrible is because not only do you nine times out of ten not have musicians as the the artists, which, you know, in this case, I was a little concerned because Bradley Cooper's not a quote unquote musician. Right. Mm-hmm. But he learned how to play guitar. He wasn't playing on all these tracks, uh, at least not live, but he did learn how to play guitar for it. Spent months, yeah, wow. yeah, learning, and he did write and he did sing. So, and I knew that going in, not that he wrote, but that he sang and played guitar. So I was like, okay, well, I'll you know, I'll open give it, mind, yeah, open <laughs> mind. But what I realized watching this film is that one of the reasons why I don't like musical movies isn't just that, but it's that they're shown, like like them playing like they're playing guitar is shown a lot. And, and that's always been annoying to me. So the first thing you see in this movie is Bradley walking on stage. He has his guitar 
and he starts playing and singing, but you're not really seeing the guitar very much. It's a lot of close-ups on him. It's a lot of medium, medium wides or mediums or whatever close-ups, whatever of waist up. And you do see the guitar every now and then it comes into frame, but then it goes out of frame. It's the guitar is an afterthought. It's him on stage in front of thousands of people. So immediately I was like, okay, they're not trying to sell that he's an awesome guitar player. He does do like solos and stuff or whatever, but they do a really good job syncing it up with what you're actually hearing. And um, even the audience is an afterthought to yes, him. Yes, yes. It's all about him and his actual performance. The camera, you know, I think it's all one shot. It, it might yeah, be. It might be. It felt like it was. I only saw it once. So, but and so that started off with started me off thinking, okay. And the song wasn't terrible. The song mm-hmm. was actually pretty good. So I'm thinking, okay, original music performed really well. Um, I'm not being. It's not slammed down my throat that he can play guitar. Um, <laughs> It's just kind of an afterthought. All right. Okay, cool. And then that set everything else up for, you know, okay, now I can take this in a little bit more rather than having to force myself to to just accept that that's, you know, everybody's going to be playing instruments that they don't actually play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's I your biggest rub is... It's my biggest rub. If I know that you're, one, not singing, or two, not playing, but it's it's you're trying to trick me... Like, I'm not stupid, you know, and I don't think that most, I think that most people aren't either. I think that most people, when they, when they watch something like this, they can tell, um, I mean, any music movie I go into, uh, even, even the, the new queen movie coming out, Mm -hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm worried. I'm Uh, real worried because I want to like that movie. But if it's just like garbage in that regard, I, I just, I can't like it. You know, I don't care how good the performances are. I can't get past that. Like, don't try to sell me on something if they're not doing it. Um, so it's a, it's a huge problem. I, I'm, it's probably, I'm one of the only ones probably, but I feel like a lot of musicians feel the same way. It's just like almost demeaning. You know, we spend hours, years in our rooms trying to get up the balls to go in front of people and play these instruments. And then, you know, you're trying to make it seem like, this guy knows how to do it. <laughs> no, no, yeah. sorry about that. So anyway, that was a, and the cinematography was a big aspect of that. And in, in, in case you're up. a newer listener and you haven't listened to like every single one of our episodes, <laughs> the, how dare you, the extra rub here is specifically Todd is a musician. Oh yeah. I guess we should. Yeah. That's like, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm a musician, long musician, musician, badass musician, guitarist, singer, songwriter, uh, incredible voice, honestly. And if you want proof, you can go to the show notes and I'll put in our music video threads that we both made. Yeah. We both made together. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see one, some of my work, but also you get to hear him doing his thing and it's amazing. So he's not just coming at it from some part time, like, Oh yeah, I played, you know, trumpet in high school. Wes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) No, he's like a real musician. So, uh, he, he knows exactly what he's talking about. And I know what people are trying. I know what the movies, these movies are trying to because make I you feel. Yeah. And, and somebody who's, who hasn't, you know, doesn't know how to play any instrument or hasn't been in front of a, an audience to perform might not care. Yeah. But trust me, if you see something that's real and then you see something that's not, you notice it. It's the same thing as like looking at an HD TV that's that's comes with the 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 motion oh, sensing bullshit yeah. on it. That yeah, 
I can't handle that. Mm-hmm. You know, I go into every, any TV I see that has that, that it looks like a soap opera. I go into the settings and I fix it because it's garbage and it makes me angry <laughs> and nobody can see it. Nobody can see it until I fix it. And then they're like, Oh yeah, that does look better. <laughs> no shit. Cause you're, sp- you're not supposed to watch it. Anything in 60 frames per second, maybe yeah. football, but that's right. it anyway. But, <laughs> you lost your thought. My bad. Yeah. I stole it from you. Yeah, the extra tangent. It was rewinding back. Oh, if you see the real thing, someone really performing, and then you see someone who they're trying to, who's not, you can really tell. But you can't tell if you don't play an instrument necessarily, yeah. or maybe you don't care. That's in which true. case, that's that's fine. You just kind of go along to get along. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. You yeah, know, but it know. does make it makes for a better movie. Yes, and that was super obvious because yeah whenever you're hearing him sing you recognize there is an a very direct connection to his voice and that performance and what is happening right now that's one of the things and we're not going to go into any detail whatsoever but that's one of the things that made me actually really love Les Miserables was those are all live performances yeah and here once again you have live performances and it's not without its hurdles like technically there's a lot of things to figure out especially something like this that you 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 have a live band and a live performer and then you shoot it you know 20 different times making sure that all syncs in post so that you can get you can choose between your best takes it's really difficult maybe there's one thing you can explain that they said in the article was there was a click track yeah that helped them all stay perfectly in sync so that whenever they get into post which is a fancy word for editing and whenever you're done with filming you go into post production you have your principal photography, which is also called production. And then once you're done filming everything with all the actors and the cameras, you go into what's called post-production. And when you're in post-production, you have 30 takes of someone singing from all these different angles. And you may not always have a take that jives with another take. And so for them, especially with music, where everything rhythmically has to be the exact same, they said that they use something called a click track. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So, um, and for all you mus- musicians out there, you know what this is, so disregard. But whenever you watch performers on stage, uh, especially like if you go to like a big concert or, I mean, even a lot of smaller concerts at, at small venues, uh, touring bands most of the time play to what's called a click track. They usually have in-ear monitors, so uh, which is just like a, looks like a little earpiece in both ears or one ear. And it's just a little, it's like like a metronome. metronome. It's like a metronome in your ear. Um, and so you know that, you know, and usually on the one it's a different sound. So it's like, you know, so you know where the one is, you know where the four is. So that's in everyone's ear. It's in, it's usually in everyone's ear. Some, some, uh, are like, it's usually in the drummer's ear and the bass player's ear, not always in the singer's ear because it's really distracting. They just want to hear the band, mm-hmm. you know, so because the, cl- the click, they don't need it unless there's a dropout and they're the only ones playing on stage and they want to, you know, stay yeah. in time. Then they'll have a click and, you know, if they want. Uh, th- I mean, there are bands like Pearl Jam that never play to a click. They never have. They never will. They hate that stuff. But a lot of bands, especially if you're playing to what are called tracks. So a lot of times you go into a studio, you record a song and you're a four piece band but you've got 
a symphony behind you or you've got, you know, like a keyboard behind you and nobody can play keys or nobody is able to play keys because you've got multiple guitars. In that case, you just play to a track and a click so that you stay on time with the track. So in this case, you have, you know, you want to make sure that all the takes are in sync. So you have this, you have a count off in your ear, it goes one, two, three, four, and then you start. And everybody has that and everybody plays at the same time. And so, so everything syncs up at the end. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what I thought. Uh, I didn't think it would be playing in the the singer's ear. That was just like, whoa, that would distract it. Yeah. Yeah. I I bet Gaga didn't want that. (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes a whole lot of sense, man. I appreciate that. So diving into a little bit more of the cinematography. I mean, I think you're right. There's, to me, mostly close-ups. He stays so much into close-ups, and it makes everything more intimate, right? We've talked about this a lot recently, where the closer you are to someone's face, the less they have to do, and the more you're reading and reading their emotions and what they're thinking even becomes super, super clear. And in this case, what was really cool about it is staying in those close-ups for like the eyebrow, when he starts pulling off the eyebrow when they're in the dressing room. And suddenly the intimacy becomes like the sexual tension. It's immediate by putting us inside the moment instead of observing it in a wider shot. Because imagine that from a medium or even a wide, and you're so disconnected from the intimacy of what's actually happened between these two people. And so they put us, you know, right square in between them to observe the moment. And you can feel the heat coming off of both of them as they're interacting. I mean, it's just electric because that is such an intimate thing to touch someone's face and to be in that physical uh, space. Because we all have, what, the two, three feet of comfort zone mm-hmm. um, that that we all try to keep around us, this, this bubble, uh, or at least in America. I'm sure it's different in other countries. But here, like, we have this, that if someone gets inside of that, that's kind of one of those instant ways to tell if someone is attracted to you is to enter their comfort zone and see if they retreat or not. And here he gets all in there and she is not retreating. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's awesome. Yeah. And to that end, I mean, there's a lot of naturalistic camera movement and the lighting is very naturalistic. It seems like they have a lot of practical lighting, which is to say that the light is largely coming from within the scene itself. It's, Often what you'll see is someone will have a lamp in a scene and you will feel like the light from the scene is coming from that lamp. When in actuality, the light from the scene is coming from another set of lights that's off camera and they're, they're doing what's called motivated lighting. So they're making the light that's off camera look like it's coming from that lamp. And here it really feels like all the lighting is coming from within the scene. And if you do it well enough, you can do what's called 360 lighting so that you can pick up your camera and walk anywhere within the scene and get good lighting and have it lit well enough to shoot the scene. Because going back to that example of the lamp, it's not that the lamp isn't isn't an actual light and there's no light coming from it. It's just not bright enough and it's not positioned well enough to give you nice lighting on their face. And so yeah. that presents a lot of challenges if you're trying to get a good exposure. <laughs> you know? Right, right. When you do something like this, and I feel like he did now that I'm actually saying this out loud, I feel like he probably does did that because he probably saw a lot of that on David O. Russell films. He's done a lot of the like Silver Linings Playbook, mm. American Hustle. Like these are all films that utilize a lot of three sixty lighting because 
David Russell sounds a lot like me in the sense that he likes to shoot, shoot, shoot. He doesn't want to spend, you know, an hour setting up, you know, a new, a new angle. He's like, no, no, let's just shoot, shoot, shoot. Let's set it up once. And now we can shoot for two hours and all our characters or all our actors are in character and they're constantly like yeah. feeling the moment instead of, okay, now we're going to set up this, this dolly move so that we can get this nice close up angle of fire. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all connected. You feel constantly connected with your character. And so I bet he, he borrowed a lot from David or Russell in that way. Yeah. And what I love about that, that approach especially for this film with all the practical lighting that I'm assuming is there, which it totally may not be, but that's me taking a stab at it. What I like about that though, is it it removes a lot of the glamor. These are glamorous people. Bradley Cooper, uh, Jack, I don't even know his last name. His character is this big, big star. And the, the tendency for something like that might be to like, Hey, let's, let's make everything very glamorous and very perfectly well lit, but it's a drama. Like as much as this is a musical and musicals usually do have all this perfect lighting, it's a drama. This is a very character driven movie, not a music driven movie. And it adds so much authenticity, which is this running theme throughout the film. The, the idea of who are you? Are you really being your truest, authentic self? And throughout throughout the movie, we have this question that's being asked or that we're asking ourselves and that Jack is asking himself. And it's the question, and maybe even Allie is asking herself, does Allie really love Jack? Or is she just infatuated by his stardom and what he can do for her? And this becomes Jack's burden. Like, and I, what I really love is it's never actually articulated in the movie. No one ever, I don't remember if anyone ever actually says it or asks that, but you just feel it. And it's just inherent in their character and the, and in the dynamic of, and you feel her at the beginning trying to shrug it off. Like, no, I don't, I'm going to go to work. And it feels so cat and mouse because you can tell there's that allure, but that she's not, she's trying not to give into it. And she's trying to stay true and not get lit up by stardom and the idea and the gravity. The, there's this really good idea that me and uh, my buddy Varric talk about sometimes that I want to be a black hole. I don't want to be a moon. Right? Black holes have so much gravity that they pull things to them. The moon orbits something else of greater gravity pull. And so... That's Jack. Jack is a black hole. He pulls people to him whether he wants to or not. And now he has someone that he's trying to pull to him and she's resisting. And that obviously makes her that much more irresistible. But I think it still has that lingering question. She gets more success due to him. It's him that's helping her. Uh, And it's not because she has no talent, but it's because she only gets those opportunities because of him. And so there's this question of, oh, now that you have success, are you going to leave him? Do you still yeah. want him? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I feel like it's just screaming it at us without ever actually saying it. And that, that's one of the many reasons why I love this movie is they never pound the drum. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they're so patient in their storytelling. But that is really echoed in the visual style. I'm a, dive back into my notes specifically here. Yeah. Authenticity is a recurring theme in the film and it's not just shown in this visual style, which is 
through you know handheld movements, handheld camera moves, and the intimate close-ups. But what I also like it on a more meta level is that it may also be Bradley Cooper staying true to his message by directing in the same way, by not showing people what he thinks they want, but what's true to him. It's really easy to take this movie that's about stardom and fame and uh, a meteoric rise and to make it about the glitz and the glamour and to make it about, oh, how beautiful everything is here at the top and how, how much you want this. Audience, you want to be us. And it flips it on its ear, and it's like, no, in reality, man, fame is hard. Yeah. It pulls on you. It's a weight, and you can feel that weight that it's, that it's taking on his character. But I feel like it could also be a little bit of Bradley Cooper trying to show everyone what it's like to be Bradley Cooper mm. by showing it through Jack. It's a metaphoric, symbolic there's another word for it that I'm straining to grab, but it's all those things. And I feel like he's also demonstrating that just through the style of the film. And he's staying true to all these things of the idea of authenticity. But to go back to something a little bit more that isn't glamorous to the viewer, but is super glamorous to the, uh, <laughs> to the people in the industry there is this badass camera oneer that he uses to introduce Bobby, which is played by Sam Elliott. Bobby, it's this long shot where Bobby walks out of the tent and all the way to the stage. And there is just this epically seamless transition from Bobby to uh, Jack. Because Bobby is down on the ground. Jack is on the stage. And the transition from the ground to the stage is flawless. Oh my God. You might think the natural reaction there is to be like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a big Hollywood budget film. They have all the, but trust me, there are other movies with far bigger budgets that I've seen. Uh, maybe one day we'll cover one of them, but that I'm like, you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It took me out and maybe it's because I know what I'm looking at, but they just, it, Man, it's so simple, and that's what makes it so much more impressive. <laughs> it looks simple, but that's I mean, I remember the shot, but I don't remember the transition. Did they just come up and then go around him or something? Because I remember it looking down on it's like Bobby. A, it's like a five-foot jump somehow. Yeah. That I don't know if they're on like a movie, and they just hand it off to someone upstage, but they never lose the composition. And yeah, they do. You're right. They circle around uh, Jack to uh, mm -hmm. reveal Bobby from the stage point of view. But that's what makes it even so much better is because this shot is also significant in showing the relationship from a visual standpoint. Jack is above Bobby. Jack is the star. Bobby is beneath him. Yeah. And we show that in this beautiful camera move. Yeah. God, I love that. Also, just to stay on Bobby for a second, I love how they reveal his character, that he's actually the brother because they don't, that first scene has nothing to do with being brothers. Yeah, right. And at the same time, everything to do with being brothers. You just don't know <laughs> you it just yet. Know, yeah, yeah. And whenever he actually gets revealed, it be, it's through a setup scene between uh, Jack and Allie. When Jack is saying, Yeah, trust me, you look, because she makes that comment, Oh, you're saying I look like your brother? And he's like, No, 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 you look nothing like my brother. He's an old man. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. 
suddenly there's this idea it's like, oh yeah, he has an older brother who's way older than him. That's crazy. When are we gonna meet him? Not knowing you've already met him. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's brilliant. It's awesome. Because you now you're making the audience dive into the film instead of just feed us information. You're having to in interact with it mm-hmm. so much more. You're asking questions and you're you're figuring things out. It's expecting you to be a smarter audience. Yeah. Which, which everyone who's ever listened to anything that we say on this podcast <laughs> knows that we are smarter than what these filmmakers make us out to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or at least well said. 50%. I didn't even, and that's the thing. Like a lot of this stuff is just like feeling, you know, I could walk away from that movie and say, that was a good movie, but not know why necessarily. That's a good example of something. I didn't even notice that. But now that you brought that up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that is brilliant. That is definitely a layer of the of the onion here of of why that why I left the theater feeling like, man, that was just a great experience, you know, or a beautiful parfait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, we're back. <laughs> yes, and so another tangent. What's interesting watching this movie for me as a filmmaker was. There are these shots, of course, where there's all this beautiful stage lighting and cameras flashing. And what I like about that is you can't shoot some of these shots with any standard camera. Like your DSLR could not have captured this movie in the same way. They shot this on an Alexa. And an Alexa has what's called a global a global shutter, which means so to dive into geek terminology if you if you don't care about this kind of thing maybe fast forward like 30 seconds but or 10 minutes <laughs> tbd yeah and so there's with the camera you have several ways that you set your exposure but the idea right is your camera is just capturing light at the yeah. end of the day that's all we do with our eyes we're just gathering light that's bouncing off of objects which is why like we can't see the black hole because it doesn't reflect light. And whenever you're gathering light into a camera to record an image for later, uh, some of the main ways that you're, you're capturing that and you're exposing your image is through the frame rate. How long is the, the, the picture going to stay in the frame? And that's 24 frames per second. So one frame gets one twenty-fourth of a second of exposure time. Okay, that's one thing. And then there's the what's called the shutter speed or the shutter angle. And that's how long that frame that's there for 124th of a second, how long is that going to be exposed to the light? Well, okay, the shutter itself is going to stay open for like half the time that the frame is there. So now, okay, well, if you're shooting on a DSLR, you have a, what's called an electronic shutter. And that means basically instead of a a frame of film, you have just this, you know, piece of whatever glass, uh, the sensor that's hanging out in the back of the camera. So what it's doing is it's electronically scanning the, the shutter from top to bottom. Okay. Well, why does that matter? Well, if you've ever, let's say you're shooting a scene with paparazzi and the shut, the shutter bugs, as they call the shutters, the, the flashes of light are all going off. Well, if you're trying to capture that, Light is very, very fast. You cannot capture light unless you're getting it all at the same time. Because if you're not, that electronic shutter is going to clip it. Mm. 
it's not scanning faster than light. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so suddenly instead of a light, it looks like half the frame maybe got flashed. And you'll see this, you know, a lot in kind of marketing material for uh, online businesses whenever they're trying to emulate something. Um, as opposed to a, what's called a global shutter, instead of a scan, it's getting it all at once. And the Alexa, right, is getting all of that stuff at once. And so that kind of helps add, and it's something that you would expect a budget of like this to, to be able to afford, but it really helps articulate how, I don't know, everything feels real. And so if, if you're a budding filmmaker, and that's, that's why I say this is interesting to me as a filmmaker, is because depending on the project, I may not be able to use my camera my digital camera. Now I have a film camera that I could break out, but that comes with its own uh, burdens and costs that certain productions may not want in aesthetics. But it also may mean, man, for this, for this project, I need to go rent a red, a red, you know, camera or an Alexa, uh, and learn how to use it because I've never personally operated one of those. And so now it's like, okay, I need to spend a day getting familiar with how to set all the settings, uh, which is fine. I mean, I, it really wouldn't take me long, but it, has a technical requirement depending on the project. And so for this project, you couldn't shoot this movie on a DSLR and get the same result. All those, everything else being equal, whatever. So well, um, I could keep nerding out, but I'll stop there. Yeah. 30 seconds, right? At least, <laughs> at least maybe 35. Another thing I love from a filmmaker perspective is their idea of uh, scale. I love how wasteful they are with the scale. And I say that because what we talked about earlier with how secondary the audience becomes to their performance is those are real life human beings out there and they're not making them the point of the shot at all. You know how hard it is to get in front of whatever, 10,000 fans. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Like I'm sure they weren't paying them all as extras. I mean, if you were, that's, Oh, it's even worse, but still to get on stage at Coachella, it ain't free. You're, you're probably paying for that. And you're also still wanting those fans to get up on, to get up. So I don't know what they did to get all those fans there at that moment, but they didn't just take off to this really big wide shot to be like, Oh, look at all these people. This is a big budget movie. <laughs> They're like, nah, you know what? We'll, we'll make it feel even bigger by not making a point of it. Cause yeah. it's like, yeah, that's just, that's the way it is all the time. What do you mean? Yeah. Why would I make that out to be a special thing? Exactly. Yeah. That's every day. Yeah. And now suddenly it feels like, holy crap. I mean, it just gives you enough, Yeah. you know, it pans around, mm -hmm. you see everybody, you're like, holy shit. And then it pans back to him and like he, and it stays on him. And yeah. because of how much tighter the frame is, they're packing out the frame even more than they would be if you put it into a wide frame. Yeah. And so now instead of, oh, yeah, I think that's probably like, you know, a couple thousand people. Now it's like there's everyone in the world is there because they're infinitely filling up this frame. You can't see where they end. Yeah. God, that's it's, so much better. So awesome. Love again, that. again, it's this it's this closer up, like fill the frame with what's important and you know, forget everything else. I mean, you don't even really see the backing band very much, a mm -hmm. little bit, but not much. It's it's just mostly about Bradley and Gaga. You know, yeah. It's I mean, even when Gaga's on stage, you know, like yes, they show the crowd, of course, but it's nothing. 
Yeah, it's Truly. it's like not not the 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 sole focus at yeah. all. Good point. And also love whenever Allie gets her first moment to finish a show. She's mm-hmm. on the keys. We cut to the shot of Jack next to Allie on the jumbotron. She's huge. Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's so symbolic of what's happening that she is looming over him in so many ways. Yeah. Like obviously emotionally, she is just a giant to him. Yeah. And she's also starting to coming to her own. She's, mm-hmm. she's getting big now, you know, and she's starting to have her moment. That's so you said something earlier. We talk about story for a bit or are you, or you want to get one more thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a biggie. Oh, all right. Yeah. It. So again, if you have not seen this movie, there's a, Big spoiler coming ahead right now. Yeah. Um, so same thing happens in the other movies though. Okay. Is it? I think really? so. I Interesting. Heard. Maybe, maybe not the same way. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, keep going. So Jack doesn't make it right. He's, yeah. he's dealing with a lot of things, but he ends up dying and the setup to his suicide is so perfect because we cut away. Like he grows and grabs his pills and you're like, Oh, he's going on a bender again. And then, we cut to Allie at the concert and she's like, is he here yet? Is he here? They're like, no. And then we cut back to the truck and the garage is open and you see him. I think he starts the car and then he turns it off again. It's like you, for a heartbeat, you're like, Oh, he's going to try to make it. Uh, and then he cuts it off and you're like, Oh God, with the garage door open, you're feeling like, Oh God, is he going to drive in and like Mm -hmm. kill himself? And then he steps out and you're like, and it's the way, it's the visual language here that I'm going to dial in on. Because the way they show him exit the truck, the truck makes it all a foregone conclusion. Yep. Because they show him by his feet, thin his legs. This is all visually communicating what it's like to hang yourself. You see the feet and the legs dangling. That's normally how we see the, you know, a, a nice dramatic uh, shot of someone killing themselves through hanging and they just visually show it before it actually happens. That's, that's so simple and brilliant. And it, it's heartbreaking because you see it unfolding and it's already happened. Like for me, our, even if the audience is dreading like, like, Oh no, is he going to, is he going to, I already knew from the minute they visually communicated his feet touching the ground, he's about to hang himself. Mm. This is done. And then of course he, he sh- they show his belt and you're like, Oh, yeah. Oh man, this is over. And then we cut back to the concert and she's singing their song again and they still haven't shown them hanging yet. Yeah. They, but they, they show her singing their song that they wrote together. It's far from shallow now. And it's suddenly the lyrics now have all new meaning. Mm-hmm. And of course we get that dramatic wide shot for the first time of getting a real perspective of his life him in his garage, in his house, mm-hmm. finally a- accomplishing what he couldn't as a 12 year old. Right. Uh, I was going to mention that he addressed that earlier. And yeah. The, the so film. they set that expectation early right, on. Yeah. Like this is a thing that he's tried to do before. And now it's kind of lurking in the back of our mind that he's got a suicidal part of his personality. Yeah. Oh man. It, yeah. That was, I, I, I will say I, I, she had a tear on that one. Yeah. That was, that was hard. I only had a couple moments that really 
I mean, it was probably more than a couple, but where tears got into my eyes, I never shed one. I, I'm really surprised because there was just a couple moments where I was like ready to just have a full really? breakdown. Really? When, when he's playing the piano at the end with her? That was a big moment, and it, it still didn't come out. I'm surprised. It's not like they weren't in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, sure, sure. I was having a sure. hard time seeing I'm the I'm a little screen. upset. I'm a little <laughs> upset with you right now. <laughs> Only because I was crying and you weren't. <laughs> well, it's crazy because they show her singing – you know, by herself. And I was, I, that was the only time in the entire movie, uh, that I felt disconnected from the movie. I was like, yeah, okay. She's, I don't know. She truly loved him. And at the end, yeah. When it's just her, when it's just her with, uh, in the dress. I was disconnecting. And, okay. Yeah. Until they just smash cut to finish that so, song with him. Then I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I just buckled, yeah. but I, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't cry. Honestly, um, it took it, it took decades before I cried at my first movie, um, uh, and my mom used to growing up. She would literally call me uh, uh, like Iron Heart. <laughs> really? Yeah, she was like, "You have a heart of iron because um, you never cry at movies." Uh, Dude, you you cry at like ninety percent of the movies I go to you with. I yeah. I, I want to say in Avengers. You cry. <laughs> I wonder if I did. I don't think you I did. Might have. Oh, I'm man. just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, now, nowadays, I'm, I try not to like restrict myself that much from it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just go with it. It's okay if you do. It's, you, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're, I don't, I really don't even know yeah. what I, because I'm not someone who defines like manhood in some kind of traditional way. Like, I'll drink a, 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 a cider. I don't care. I'll, I've never ordered an apple teeny. An apple teeny. But I would. <laughs> I really don't care what people think about me whenever I order my little sweet drinks. Yeah. Um, that's never bothered me in my entire life. And so it's I don't I really don't know why I always kept myself from crying traditionally, but I don't do that anymore. And I'm surprised I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, let's go into story and performance real quick. Yeah. All right. I for one, Bradley Cooper is amazing. And the first thing that I thought when I started hearing him sing and talk, he it sounded like he he was borrowing something from Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Like I could just feel like this could be like a young crazy heart right Definitely. now. Yeah. And but I thought God, I thought he was incredible. I thought Sam Elliott is just a magical freaking human being. Yeah. Like <laughs> him tearing up was devastating for me. And you mm-hmm. never see him cry. You just see. His God. when he's backing out of the yeah. <laughs> out of the driveway, jeez, yeah, yeah. Oh. So it was so good. Are you the, tearing up now? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. And oh, this is gonna be a, a toughie. Um, I was really taken back by the counterintuitive casting decisions. I loved it how he cast so many comedians in here. Oh my God, well said. Yeah, Chappelle. Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay, where the hell did that decision come from? I didn't from? even recognize him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did not know that that was, that was Clay. Hey. Yeah, I did not know until you sent me that article, and I saw the name. I was like, oh, my God, it was. God. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably more that I just didn't recognize. But, and this is huge, huge, huge leap, and maybe just my own personal affection at, at play here. But... I felt like there was a an analogy with Robin Williams being made here. Hmm. Whenever you you think about you know you have all these comedians. First of all, it's like okay, we have comedians in a dramatic role, which 
was really his forte. Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. Are you kidding me? And so many other films. One Hour Photo, whatever. It's a it's a longer list than you might actually think. But you also think, I mean, that was how he passed away. He he committed suicide by hanging with his belt. And you factor in, okay, so we have comedians, we have you know a death scene that's so similar. And then, but to me, the the biggest thing that kind of loomed was the 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 connection between Jack's disability and Robin's uh, disease, uh, kind of taking away the thing that they loved. Their gift was being stolen away. So for Jack, it was his tinnitus, right, in his ear that was going to end up taking his music away. And for Robin, it was, uh, is it Parkinson's? Like, I've already forgotten. Just depression. Uh, well, it was depression, right? but he had an actual disease. Uh, it was oh. like Parkinson's that was going to kind of debilitate him. That. Maybe Alzheimer's. God, I feel so horrible right now for forgetting. But everyone, every one of you out there is probably like, dude, yeah, it was obviously you know Alzheimer's um, or whatever, but it was stealing away his ability to be who he was. Hmm. I just had that question. I was like, why is he casting so many comedians? I mean, I thought they were all brilliant and absolutely perfect. And especially whenever I saw Eddie Griffin come on the scene, I was like, oh man, well-deserved buddy. Like, I'm glad to see you have, you know, a good role and uh, a good film. But yeah, I was just like, man, I wonder if he wrote this as a, as an allegory for Robin Williams and what he was dealing with. You know, you have a really talented artist who took his own life, you know, seemingly too young. Because Jack in this movie is still really young. He's still, to him, he's past his prime maybe. But, you know, in terms of life, I mean, he's like in his early 40s, mid-40s maybe. Um, and still so much left to, to contribute. So one thing that in particular, oh, well, a lot of things. But in particular, I, I just love this movie because I, di- I didn't, it didn't give me, it didn't give me anything. Like there were every time I thought, oh, this is going to happen, it it would happen, but it wasn't like the focus of the of the, the film. Like it wasn't like, oh, everything is arching to this moment where this thing is going to happen. Yeah. Even though I thought, oh, it's going to be like this. She's going to get famous and then they're going to fight and they're going to leave each other. Yeah. Or, you know, um, he's going to bring her up and he's going to be super jealous. Um, and all of those, I mean, those things in a ways happened. Like maybe he was a little bit jealous, but really he wasn't, you know, yeah. like he took her out on the, on the balcony before she went down at, when she dyed her hair red and he, he told her just be yourself and do your, your thing. You are the greatest, you know, like that's it. And you see that and you think that's what you would tell someone you love. So they, they would introduce these little bitty things, but then they'd pull back and they'd be like, Nope, this isn't the story. Here's something. Nope. That's still not the story. You know, here's something else. That's not the story. So in the end, when he takes his own life, I'm left wondering why still. You said something earlier about um, it it possibly being something to do with what did you what did you say earlier? Like like why? Like uh, well, the correlation I was making between him and Rob Williams was like the tinnitus. Like no, yeah, no, his... I meant like like way earlier. I think it was something to to do like that how hard it is to be in the industry or to be that fame or whatever. Yeah. And I would, I would argue that, that, that like all that stuff, anytime I hear that, I just, I, I cringe. Right. You know, 
I'm not saying it's easy to be famous. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I am not at all. But for it to be so hard mm. that you kill yourself. I mean, I'm not obviously that there are there are people out there that have done it, and that's their reason, right? You just can't get away, can't sure. have your own life, and so you want to end it. But I would argue that it's it's inherently something else. And most of the time, people like us never get to really know what that is. Maybe we kind of know, but we really don't, right? But I just feel like for someone to say it's really hard being famous, so I'm going to kill myself, is just bullshit. And um, it's usually like they're depressed or they're alcoholic or they're drug addict or, or you know... Yeah, or something that they can't handle. It's something else. And eh, plus that. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, straw maybe sure. that broke the camel's back, but it's sure. not the real I, I I think you're onto it onto it. That it's not the underlying cause. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in his case, it was her manager or part of the thing that sent him over the edge was her manager saying Yeah. When you fuck up again, you need to be away from her. He and so I feel like maybe he, that's the reason. Yeah, I would say in that he probably heard his father's voice. Oh yeah, because that was the first time he did it, right? It was yeah. He I forget the what the reasoning really was in the film, but he didn't feel seen by his father or loved by his dad. Yeah, um, and that became like enough reason, like okay, well fine. And then his dad never freaking noticed that he even tried. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like his whole life he's been waiting for someone to tell him that that the world would be better off without you. And now for him to hear the person you love most, the one person that finally gave you back some happiness, that person's world would be better off without you. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, I totally agree. I think that that's exactly what the deal was because it yeah, did not take very much to put him over the edge. No. Like he was, he was clean. He was sober. He had been sober. He was back with her. She, she, said, I love you. I still want to be with you. We're going to work this out. She's planning to work around it. Yeah. And this, then this guy comes in, says three sentences and then he kills himself. Yeah. It's like, I, I totally, I totally identify with that. I totally think that that happens mm-hmm. in real life. And I can see that being like, you know, he was just looking, he was waiting for that to happen. Yeah. But uh, you know, most of it is, inherent right it's like it's like something in him he's he's sad and depressed he's unfulfilled he um, doesn't love himself he doesn't love himself but he loves her i read this oh i've read half a book a, while, a long time ago about curing the addictive mind that was the name of it and the book made the argue the strong strong argument the half that i read uh that all addiction really stems from a lack of self-love mm. yeah and that was all he he was doing with his entire life. Yeah. You know, throughout the entire movie, he was struggling with being a drunk, and she spotted that from moment one. Yeah, and maybe that is the the issue with being with being in entertainment or being like quote unquote famous is that you you're around people that tell you they love you all the time, but it's very empty because they don't know you. But then when some people that do know you with like you know her manager knew who saw who he was or like how he was tell you exactly what they think then that has so much more weight because yeah. you're you're being fed all of this fake love and now all of a sudden something's real 
and it's your shit yeah and you the world be better off without you so like yeah i could i i could see it that way yeah you know if you hate yourself you're just anytime anybody else does too it's compounded right yeah i mean yeah i think all that's absolutely right yeah i mean i don't again yeah and then on top of that of course going back to being entertainment is rough like you're this personality jack who doesn't love yourself and so part of your motivation of being a performer is to get some of that love it's like maybe you know i can fill this this hole in with other people's love and adoration Mm, oh yeah and of course it doesn't which is why he turns to drugs in the first place and now yeah then the cycle continues with her it's like oh finally something and I love that moment that it really sets the stage because whenever you see him bring her on stage, you're like, Oh, is that your move? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Bobby tells her he's never done that before. Yeah. It's like, Oh, and we have firmly established Bobby as a no bullshit guy. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say things to get his brothers back. Right. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So for me, this movie was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so well done as a musician i felt respected uh by the performances and by the editing and by the cinematography i love gaga she is a a fucking star in every category in every you know in every way on on a stage on a screen whatever she's awesome everybody in cooper was just amazing him directing this and starring it, it was just so good I felt like the the whole production was really, really well done. And the music was great. The story, I always thought I knew where it was going and it didn't go there. Yeah. Like it, it touched on those things, but it, which was, was obvious. And it, it, you know, paid homage to those aspects that I, I, I think that entertainers at that level would deal with, but skirted right past it as because people that are at that level, they're also, they have to be type A most of the time. Mm-hmm. And they have to be like really focused and they have to be, you know, even if it's just on making music and they're, they sh- they're shit at the business and everything else, but they're, they're focused on something. He can get past the fact that sh- she's up and coming and maybe he's not and he can support her, which he does. And, but there's also fighting, you know, which they had that great scene in the bathroom where he says that horrible things to uh-huh. her and, and and then you know they fight but then they get over it you know like all of this stuff that is going to happen in real life and they address it they get through it and so you don't really know what's coming and then and you know it's just it's just really good um one other thing i just want to talk mention before i, I want to hear your take on it right the whole thing overarching take is the use of nudity so i was talking i was talking to my dad the other day and he my dad's 71 years old and he loves Gaga, right? Loves Gaga. I mean, I saw That's Gaga hilarious. with with my parents and my wife in Houston a year and a half ago, two years ago. It, anyway, he loves Gaga. So he went and saw the movie and he said, it's the best movie I've seen all year. It's so good. You got to see it. He said, the only thing is, yeah, I could have done without the nudity, right? I mean, he's, you know, okay. super Christian. Um, and so when I was talking to him, I kind of, figured out the the situation with that so because i i kind of got it i was like well why even have any you don't really really need it but it's it's done so well and so minimal 
that it just makes you feel like you're in the room. Yeah. It brings you into the scene just enough. I mean, you see a little bit of nipple when they're, you know, together naked. So you j- just a little bit. And then when she stands up in that bathtub and they close the door, you get All like right. maybe two frames, yeah. three frames of a full frontal. That's it. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just, just a blink to, to realize, to like feel like you're in the, in the room with them. But it's world building. It, absolutely. And it's, it's real. It's like, okay, he, she's in a bathtub. She's obviously naked. If you don't show that, all you're thinking of is Gaga's naked, Gaga's naked, Gaga's right. naked. And then, and then it gives you that, mm-hmm. but barely, but it gives it to you so that the next scene, you're in the next scene. You're not still thinking about her being naked. It adds so much to the realism, and I would have expected nothing less from this movie in hindsight. Mm. Like, why wouldn't you be so vulnerable and so real? Because this is a a real authentic look into their lives. Yeah, as these fabricated characters. Yeah, and so yeah, that it would detract to kind of cleverly hide, you know, some of her breasts um, or butt, or that full frontal shot was like the extra. Uh, Cherry on top. <laughs> I was going to say icing, cherry, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. It, it adds so much to the movie. And I love world building those kind of ways because you want to feel like you're, you're in it. Like you said, you really feel like you're, you're there with them and you don't want to be pulled out. The suspension of disbelief is everything when it comes to making a movie, making yeah. any piece of content for someone to watch. And I also love the way that they did that with concealing so much backstory. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, like they're not in a rush to tell you everything and to give you moments to figure stuff out. But they're even when the movie ends, there's really so much we don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. We don't know that much about his dad um, and his young life and what his dad went through or whatever. Like, there's plenty that we don't really fully understand. And I love that because it can be really, if done well, like it is in this movie, it can be really great world building to make you feel like, man, there's still so much to this universe that I, that I don't know that we could explore. Yeah. And just like, we don't really know that much about her dad or her mom or his mom. We don't know any of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be a little bit more about uh, the relationship between kids and their dads yeah, um, and the effect that they have. And so overall, man, yeah, I, I did love it profoundly. I, I didn't certainly didn't go in expecting to hate it. Cause I was like, I don't think Todd's going to send me to a movie. I'm going to hate, uh, though it's possible. You probably still kind of owe me one, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I just was surprised by the story. Cause I do, I'd same. Not for the same reasons, but mm-hmm. I, I hate musicals too. And this simply wasn't one. It's billed as one, but this is a drama with singing in it. Yeah, that's and, a good way to put it. And I was wholeheartedly invested. And even less, I'm not a big, I don't know anything about Gaga. Like, she's fine. I've never listened to an album, which maybe I should, because some of the tracks that I've heard are really good. And I'm sure she's got some great deep cuts. But I went in and was like, expecting to be distracted by lady gaga and right. stripped down of all her makeup she is she's still beautiful like i i don't really understand. i prefer her without makeup same and i can't imagine what kind of bullshit she had to deal with as you know a young woman trying to break into the industry and i'm sure some of that is reflected in her character but it, that breaks my heart but i felt 
completely invested in the idea that she is an unknown singer. Now, maybe I'm the <laughs> exception and not the rule because I'm so unfamiliar with her. But that was a very, very easy sell for me. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing, I think, to accomplish on, on average whenever you're bringing in these A-listers to perform this uh, zero to fame kind of story. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so, yeah, in every way, they won me over. The cinematography, the story, uh, the lighting, yeah. like all of it was so invested in the characters and not the lifestyle. I totally did not expect it. Nope, not at all. Right. I saw that that poster, which is all I saw. Which, side note, Alamo, I really hated your pre-show. I had to walk out because y'all started playing the preview, making fun of the preview with like, I don't know, Muppets, I think. And they were like reenacting the, the preview with uh, Sesame Street Muppets. And I was like, what the preview for, for this movie? Yeah. Oh, and I hadn't even seen the preview, but suddenly, even if I had, I don't want to sit in the movie theater waiting to, to be heavily invested in what I now know is like a really thick drama and then have some of these moments pop up. And I start thinking about Kermit the frog reenacting it. Yeah. Good point. Jeez. What a bunch of idiots. I didn't see that. God, I, I was really, really pissed. So I just walked out. I was like, y'all aren't going to ruin this for me. I'm going to yeah. give this movie a shot. Good. And Good. I'm, I'm glad not you gonna did. Let y'all steal this. Yeah. So I was just absolutely overwhelmed by the genuine heart and soul that they put into this. Good, man. Yeah. Awesome. So I'd give it a solid, oh, I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm, I'm between an eight and a nine. Um, but that I would, would be an eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, what, do you, yeah. what do you give it? Uh, Fair yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, I'm between eight and a half and a nine. Uh, because we've already talked about it for an hour and it's like off my chest a little bit, I'll yeah. give it eight and a half. Yeah. But if pre this this episode, I would have given it a nine. Yeah. So yeah, eight and a half. Yeah. My, my, and if you're wondering, like, what's keeping you from making a 10 if you love it so much, which I do, I think for me it's rewatchability. I don't think I could watch this more than a, yeah. one more time. Ag- agreed. Um, agreed. And not because it's so heavy, I guess, just because, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's a long, it's very, it's a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Um, and once you know yeah. everything, because it doesn't give you everything, but like once you know everything and you know the outcome, it's a little, yeah. Well, I know it's coming. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a long journey. If this were maybe yeah. like an hour 45, I could maybe be like, okay, mm. I could relive some of these, these highlights again. Yeah. Um, what's your recommendation for the week? Yeah. So I'm going to, I was going to recommend something else, but you brought something up and I just love it so much. So I'm, we're, I'm going to recommend PJ 20, which is the, uh, um, the documentary on Pearl Jam's 10, uh, which came out in 20, uh, well, PJ 20 came out in 2011 is the 20 year anniversary of 10. Uh, from uh, 91, which fun fact, 10 came out before Nevermind, but didn't uh, really didn't explode until Are Nevermind exploded. Me? Did you not know that? No, I don't I think we talked about that. Yeah, uh, it came out ah. first, and then uh, I think a couple months later, or a few months later, maybe one month later exactly, uh, Nevermind came out and you know blew up with Smells Like Teen Spirit, and then everyone was diving into the, the grungeness That's of amazing. Seattle, and so then 10 exploded and Jeremy, you know, exploded and everything like yeah. that and Soundgarden and everything followed after, after nevermind. That's amazing. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And, uh, when they did the remix, you should, you need to listen to the remix of, of 10 without all the delay and, and reverb and stuff. It's, 
so much better. I'm doing all those things. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. Anyway, the documentary is great. So I'm going to recommend a little scene movie called Nowhere Boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really loved it. It mm-hmm. stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, mm-hmm. um, who plays John Lennon as a boy in school. And so it's like pre-Beatles story of like, yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot. I haven't seen it in, since it came out. So I might need to rewatch it because maybe it's not as good as I remembered it. But I loved it. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so what are we going to do next week? <laughs> uh, it looks like we're going to do a movie called Your Name. Some uh, Japanese anime, huh? Yeah. I, I've i never seen this. so I took my mom to see it, actually. And she was like, what are we watching? <laughs> <laughs> Did she say it like that? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so stay tuned next week. We're going to cover that. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Uh, leave us a note. What would you like us to cover? Is there a movie that you're like, man... This is a new movie coming out or something that came out earlier this year. Or it was my favorite movie from three years ago that no one ever talks about. Like, let us know. We're doing your name because it was recommended by Katya. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kat, you better be listening, first of all. But second of all, uh, you better have also dropped us a review. I'm going to harp on you t- next week because if you're not listening this week, you're going to get an, an earful next week. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's going to be my new rule is if you drop a uh, recommendation for us, that's awesome, but also drop a review. Please. <laughs> and also want to give a quick shout out to Izzy. He's still being active on the boards, man. Um, he he commented on last week's episode asking us to take a break from horror movies. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thankfully, I was going to go see the new Halloween. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, was, I can't. You've had your fill. I, yeah, for a long time. <laughs> I, I really have. And if you want to comment on today's episode, uh, you can go to the pestlepodcast.com slash a star is born all together. One word. And the pestle, by the way, if you don't know how to spell pestle, it's like a, a mortar and pestle. It's P E S T L E. It's a pestle. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that explains it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I love this quote that you picked. This is great. And it's so it's so funny. I just read it, but we were talking about I never did not, mind yeah, earlier. That's coincidental. Yeah. Did you did you pick Kurt because of this movie? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So this quote that Wes has chosen is uh from Kurt Cobain. Wanting to be someone else is a waste of the person you are. Uh and that it's so so well said and so elo- eloquently like like put. I felt like with the with the discussion of him especially that moment you talked about earlier about him taking her up to the balcony and being like hey it's you that people want don't let them turn you into this other thing like just be you that'll be good enough and you'll never have to wonder if and and he talks about all that insecurity of like don't ask why they're listening just appreciate though they're doing it for as long as they do it Mm -hmm. and whenever you look back you can be like yeah i gave them me it's a clip. Yeah, I, there's no way I could say it better than the way Kurt said it. Yeah, um, it's easy. It's easy to look at someone that you really admire for what they do because they're better than you at it at that time, and think that you want to be them. I'm definitely guilty of that mm. as a musician, as a as an athlete, as a father, like there's always somebody who's going to be quote unquote better than you in your eyes. But that is a good thing because you can learn 
from yeah. that. But all you're doing is you're all that all of us are doing, and I'm including guys like Kurt Cobain in it. I'm including Gaga. I'm including, uh, you know, the uh, LeBron James. All you're doing is you're you're stealing from those. You're borrowing from those who came before you, who taught you yeah. how to do something, you know, that you love. But it's always going to be you, you know. Like maybe Gaga saw Streisand. Uh, perform and that's why she wanted to become a singer. She doesn't sound like Barbara Streisand. Yeah. She doesn't look like Barbara. She doesn't act like Barbara Streisand. But she wanted to be a singer because of her. She learned how to sing because of her, or you know, whatever. Someone saw LeBron James like playing basketball, and so they wanted to play like LeBron. But they play like themselves in the style of. And so anybody out there who's thinking. You want to be X or you want to be Y. Nobody wants another LeBron James. Nobody really wants. They. You could think, oh man, what would the NBA be like with like twelve LeBron James? It would be boring because yeah. everybody would be fucking awesome. <laughs> what they want is some. Point is, find your strength. Be you, however you are, and borrow from those that came before you. If Bono has a great line, one of my favorite lines in all of music. In all of music, every artist is a cannibal, every poet is a thief. You all kill your inspiration and sing about your grief. It's it's brilliant in that we just we those that we idolize learn from that, incorporate that into yourself, and push yourself out into the world. I mean, this this quote is is so good, and it's just hitting a spot in me right now because. There's so much that that you have to offer, Wes. There's so much that all of our listeners have to offer. And sometimes you just need someone to say, dude, everybody wants you. Everybody wants to hear what you have to say, to see what you have to make. So make it. There's no other excuse. There's no excuse to not. You know, If you think it's not good enough, then just keep working at it until you think it is. You know? Like, who is it? There was a writer a long time ago that you told me about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Ira Glass. Ira Glass. Yeah, where he talks about the, the gap. It's like you, yes. you're, you, you're doing a thing because you have taste. You develop a taste and you see what you want to create and what you want to be and what you want to uh, make and be a part of. And so you have this high, high, high ideal only to create your first thing and it's so far removed from what you had envisioned that's the gap yeah and now your goal is to stay true to your taste you got into this thing for a reason it's because you do have a creative taste or an aesthetic or what have you that got you into it in the first place and if you just stay true to that you keep working you keep creating you keep iterating you will close that gap yeah but you'll never close it if you yeah, to your point. If you, if you give up or you try to be like someone else yeah. because then you lose your taste yeah. and you're trying to kind of figure out what their taste would be and do it in in their taste, which is totally not you. Yeah. I mean, just think just imagine how like the world would be if Tom Petty, you know, wanted to be John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And cool. so he wrote everything like you, I mean, you wouldn't have half the these amazing hits. Like, just think about that, you know. Or if Radiohead wanted to be Zeppelin, like, what? <laughs> no, 
you know, they're them because they have their taste. When you told me about that, that has changed my life. Like that, I, I it has free, it has set me free. Same here. Honestly, yeah. that was such a, a monumental thing that every time I create something that I don't like, which is most times that I just say, that's okay. You're closing the gap. Yes. Yes. And it's okay to have a gap, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's important to have a gap, right? Because it's a learning experience, and learning yeah. is it is important throughout in being creative. So, heck yeah, off my soapbox. I'm done. Jeez, dude, badass. Well done. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I, man, I had a I had a great time. Same talking about this. This, this is great. this is great. I'm sure you thought this was going to be a 30 minute episode. You always do, and it never is. It's always. I maybe actually thought that this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys for listening. Please review and tell your friends. Uh, we want to be able to keep doing this, so uh, we need some feedback. So give us uh, give us your comments and reviews. And until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Mm-hmm.